The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. Welcome to uh, each of you that, that have come tonight. My name is Ryan Church. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at UPC. Before we continue our series tonight that we got kicked off last week on looking at the longings and desires of, of songs that, that we know, popular songs tonight, we're going to hear some indie rock and seeing how, uh, how the Bible, how our faith interacts with that, uh, I have two things I want to share with you. So listen up real quick. Two things before I introduce our speaker. One is similar to what Eric just shared about going to the Dominican. There's still an opportunity for you this summer to go and do something similar with some kids up at Rainbow Glacier Camp in Alaska. We... We need people to sign up to keep this legacy going of sharing a truth with these kids up in Alaska. Uh, so please um, consider that, especially if you do not yet have summer plans. Rainbow Glacier Camp, right behind that wall. You can sign up tonight. And then second is this. This is, uh, dare I say, the most important week of the Christian faith and an opportunity for us to engage uh, the confusion and really the tension that we often feel for those of us that are that are asking who is this Jesus and what what is this thing called faith where we are wrestling with the reality of darkness okay and on Thursday night at seven thirty okay say it with me seven thirty okay seven thirty remember this because uh, Thursday night Monday Thursday where we uh, mark uh, the Lord's betrayal. And, and we remember that we'll, we'll participate in taking the Lord's summer down, supper. It's not summer, supper down here in the sanctuary. And then again at 7.30 on Friday night, we will, uh, mark the crucifixion of our Lord. So we've gone from dark to darker. It's 7.30 on, on Friday before, uh, again in this tension on Sunday, we celebrate the light. We celebrate the great hope that we have. In the reality of the resurrected Jesus, there are like a million services here at University Presbyterian Church. I invite you to join us starting at 7 a.m. down in the sanctuary, but going all the way through until noon. So please um, hear the invitation, and I urge you to accept to, to this week this opportunity to engage the great tension uh, that we uh, walk in this thing called the Christian faith. Uh, make it a priority to do that this week. All right. I want to introduce our speaker tonight, uh, somebody that I am very excited for you to hear from, uh, a person that I have learned uh, a tremendous amount from um, as he was a professor of mine and continues to be a professor of mine over at uh, Fuller Seminary. Real smart guy. He's got the degrees to prove it, an MDiv from Fuller uh, an undergrad at Seattle Pacific University, by the way, and uh, a PhD from, from Glasgow. He's the father of three girls. And uh, what, is, what I think is, is one of the great things about Jeff is here's this guy that has read everything and I think listened to everything as well. You might get a taste of that tonight. And in doing all that, and it has been amazing for me to go to class and also feel like I have a pastor in a professor, and I know that he's got a great pastoral word 
for us tonight as, as he continues our series. So please join me in giving a warm in welcome to my friend, Dr. Jeff Hughes. Have some fun, buddy. Ryan and I just fist bumped. I I haven't done that, Ryan. This is new. (laughs) You're talking about first CDs you bought. I'm kind of curious. Did anybody admit to their first CD being the High School Musical 1 soundtrack? Because that was the first one that my daughter, who's now eight, will admit to being the first one that she got. So so for her, I'm soaring. Anybody know this? (laughs) Flying. There's not a star in heaven that we can't reach. Am I the only one breaking free here? Okay. All right. Okay. Tonight, I want to try to get our hands around three very difficult questions that everybody who comes into the orbit of the Christian faith has to somehow wrestle with. And when they come together into a constellation, they either supernova or they create something else. And the three questions are these, and these are what we'll be kind of swimming around tonight. Is God good? Is God all-powerful? And why do bad things happen to people? Is God good? Is God all-powerful? And why do bad things happen to people? Now, we can answer those three things separately... And if we ignore one of them, then we can do okay. If God's good and God's powerful, well, maybe pain and suffering is just an illusion. Maybe we just need to get a, a good you know, self-help tape or something and, and forget about pain. Or maybe pain happens, God's powerful, but maybe God isn't actually good. Maybe God is actually out to get us. And there's a whole string of thought you can go down that way as well. You know, philosophical traditions, religious traditions can do that as well. Uh, maybe God is powerful. Uh, maybe God is good and maybe God has pain. No, wait, no, wait a minute. How do we put these together? Where do we, how do we find a way to reconcile all three of those things in our lives? Because all three are ultimately true. And Christianity refuses to shirk away from dealing with those three things. And so tonight, um, as we listen to some music by Suf John Stevens, as we kind of get into the question of what that means, Real life means asking real questions from real people in real time that have real confusing results sometimes. One of the places we see this is in the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. And I want to open by reading this, uh, offering a prayer, and then getting some reflection as far as what that means. Uh, this passage is the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus draws together two of his closest disciples, and he draws them into a relationship around a picture of himself and ministry that blows apart their expectations and also doesn't leave easy answers. Listen now as we read from Luke 9, uh, beginning with verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said, had said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which was about to bring fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, 
they saw his glory and two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And as we hear in the scriptures, he didn't know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were very afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. Will you pray with me just briefly as we ask uh, the Holy Spirit to really open up this passage for us and so we can listen more deeply for what God has in store. Loving God, we ask that as you take this word, take it from our understanding and make it your understanding for us. May it become word as flesh for us, Lord, in our lives. Lord, as we wrestle with the hard questions of what do we do with suffering in our lives? What do we do with you? Are you powerful enough to deal with it? Why don't we understand the suffering and pain of our life? Where are you when we cry out to you? And what do we do when we encounter you in ways we cannot understand, like a transfiguring sight as we hear here? Lord, open these words to us, and may we see anew how you would have us see. Lord, bind your holy word to our hearts with hoops tighter than steel, and may you be a lamp unto our feet. And all God's people said, Amen. What in the world do we do when we encounter something we don't understand? Like suffering, like pain. How do we make sense of it? Do we use reason or do we take a leap of faith? Well, uh, two friends of ours and two friends of yours probably can help us wrestle with this a bit. So I'm going to have a video uh, to show you of the way two people have been wrestling with this lately over the past few years. Faith has never been easy. Um, our world is separated in many ways between are you a jack or are you a lock? And people find themselves stuck um, in these two characters from Lost. And over the past few years, these two characters have come to represent m- many ways how Christians even deal with the question of pain and suffering in their lives. Why are we here? What is going on? Why is this happening to us in this place? In Luke 9, as the disciples are brought up by Jesus to this mount, they behold something that makes absolutely no sense in the way that they understand things. There is one way to deal with it, reason. If it doesn't fit into my categories of understanding, then it can't be true. So we try to create form around it. Peter offers up shelters or boxes to put it in categories to make sense of it. Locke, as we hear here, very similar to what Jesus is challenging us to do, is pushing us into a question of faith, imagination. Do you trust? Are you willing to experience life fully, not ready to answer the questions succinctly yet? But maybe there's something on the other side. What keeps us from believing and trusting in faith? What keeps us away from that? What keeps you from that? I know in my life, my story has been filled with many opportunities not to trust people. Parents who let you down. Friends you thought you could count on who didn't show up when you needed them to. Uh, Maybe there was that person that you really were in love with and it fell apart. Maybe it was the experience of praying for somebody. You really wanted to step out and you risked in the Christian faith. You tried it out. You kind of whispered in your heart to who Jesus was. And you started on that journey and something derailed you, knocked you sideways, knocked you off. Maybe it was people around you made it into a joke. Maybe it didn't 
prove to be the thing that you thought it was. Maybe it was praying for something that didn't come to pass. And you decided at that moment that it was just a joke. Or maybe you just go through the motions. Maybe you come to the inn every week because it's the thing to do. There's people here that you enjoy being with. But in your heart of hearts, do you really trust in the God that we're talking and singing about here? Or do you go through the motions and maybe God's the backup plan? This is common. This is my story. It may be your story. What moves us from a place from life having to make sense on our own energy to trusting in a God who provokes transforming images and can we trust those in the long run? Artists in our world are dealing with this as well. And Suf John Stevens is one in particular. Many of you are fans. They are. Um, many of you are going, why are we listening to the banjo player, right? Um, Suf John Stevens is an amazing artist. He's incredibly gifted. Um, one of my favorite reviews of Suf John was in Spin Magazine a couple of years ago that said, called him Elliot Smith after 10 years of Sunday school. Um, uh, that he has embraced much of the Christian narrative, but done it in a way honestly. One of the things that makes him an artist that many people can't get their minds around is he talks about Christianity, but he refuses to give easy answers. So many Christian artists in the Christian contemporary music scene want to make sure that there's answers before asking really good questions. Suf John's music asks really good questions and leaves us to discover what the answers may be after the song is over. One song in particular that really gets to this um, off of, um, I love this title, Come On, Feel the Illinois. Um, great album. Um, Kashmir Pulaski Day is a song about dealing with disappointment and pain. Is God powerful? Is God good? Why do bad things happen to people? Listen to the song and we'll discuss it as Sufjan deals with those three questions in this song. And he takes and he takes and he takes. How many of you have felt that way before? Um, that your life has been a series of missed opportunities, but slowly but surely the things that you think are going to make sense in your life continually get taken away. In the song, he, did, he talks about a real life story that was for him part of growing up. The gathering together with Christians in a youth group, uh, finding out someone has cancer and praying over their body. Um, this song is a real-time experience of a real thing that happens in people's lives. People die. Um, many of you may have gone through periods like that. Maybe a friend or a loved one that you've prayed for. Maybe an emergency happens in your life and you pray for them. And it doesn't seem like anything happens. Maybe you've reached out uh, to people even here in the inn. Um, who've gone through trauma and gone through stress and you've risked, you've taken that step outside of your own comfort zone of control and said, okay, I'm going to let God work here. And you've prayed and then they die or they, the relationship doesn't get healed or you don't get back together after you hoped that maybe you would or you didn't get into the major that you hoped for or you didn't get into the grad school you hoped for. And, and we live in these disappointments and it's he takes, he takes, and he takes. For us to live our lives fully in front of who Christ is calling us to be, we have to admit that there's a lot of times in our life where it doesn't turn out like we think it should. And that's a hard pill to swallow. It's one thing to hear he takes once, but to again and again and again. Is this what God is supposed to be? Okay, there's suffering, 
But maybe it'd be nice if God was good too. And maybe God could be powerful once in a while to do something about it. This challenges the very core of what we see ourselves as being, and it doesn't give us easy answers. The song doesn't end happy. It leaves us sitting here going, okay, now I think I need to go put on some cheesy pop and, 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 and ease it up a little bit. In a Rolling Stone interview, uh, Sufjan talks this about his writing. He says, a reflection of a greater divinity is what I hope to do in my music. There's no separation between pain and glory in our life. There's fullness in being in the world that takes into consideration the supernatural and the natural. And everything we do and say is evoking and expressing eternal things without even knowing it. Your life in the simple things measures out things that God is trying to tell you. Sometimes we miss God's power and God's goodness because we spend so much time on one thing that we can miss the other things as well. An Old Testament prophet, Zechariah, in the third chapter of Zechariah's prophecy in the Old Testament, challenges the people of God to remember the day of small things. Remember the day of small things. How often do we get ourselves so trapped into saying everything? I'm going to put all the chips on number 22 red on the roulette table of God. And if it doesn't pay out, then I'm walking away from the table. Our lives create a context for pain. We go through a series of pain, and sometimes what that pain is only makes sense when we've gone through other avenues and been with other people and shared it with other people. Eric, when he was up here giving his testimony, talked about the parable of the talents, you know, what it means to be a good steward of what you get. And, and Jesus talks about challenging us to what we've been given to be good stewards of it. In the parable, he challenges and he says that there are some who are given many and some who are given just one. And in the story, one person takes the one special talent and is scared of losing it. So he takes it and he buries it in the ground. He stomps the earth and he hides it because he's afraid of losing it. He doesn't want to share it with anybody because of what might happen. We think of the parable of the talents as what are the good things in our lives that we can give out. Your talent is also your pain. Your talent is also your suffering. And people have become too good at burying it deep, hiding it in the earth, not wanting to see what it is and thinking that that's how we're supposed to live in front of God too. We fake it. We don't want to fully let God know how much we're hurting, how much we're lost. And in the transfiguration that we see in Luke chapter 9 we read tonight, there is a picture of inviting us to come so fully and so close and so intimate with God that we can bring our pain and our hurt to that space and not have to build a shelter around it. Not have to build a form around it. Not have to have a category around it. It is okay to be a mess before God. Amen? You can be a mess before God. God has created you as a unique, unrepeatable miracle of His. That is who you are. We live in a generation that doesn't believe that. And the cross that we are moving towards in Passion Week this week is a reminder that it is okay to be an absolute and complete mess before our Lord. And we have to allow that space for it as well. In this song, he admits that it's difficult to deal with these things. But he doesn't give us an answer. He leaves us sitting in the moment of what it means for things to be taken. And not let the song answer it, but our lives have to answer it now. We have to live in relation to what the next verse is going to be. 
One of the things that Stevens does in his music as well is he takes scripture and he opens it up for us in new ways. And this passage in Luke 9, uh, he transforms literally and transfigures into a song in his album Seven Swans called The Transfiguration. So let's listen to that now. And listen to Luke 9 as it's played by Sir John Stevens. Lost in the clouds, have no fear, we draw near. Have no fear is not in the text. Uh, he does some license in his music and opens up the text in a way that I think is accurate. In that song, Sister John follows along and builds the song instrument by instrument. Um, in Seven Swans, he plays over 20 different instruments as part of the putting the, I mean, just a multi-instrumental, um, uh, amazing guy musically. And in this song, as he builds the instruments together, he creates a parade. Musically, we start with a singular instrument that moves forward. You add banjo, you add cello, you add violin. People who have seen uh, him play in concert, he adds people start walking on so the small stage becomes crowded. Um, and it becomes like a children's orchestra where everybody who is on, sitting on the side of the road is invited to bang whatever drum they have and bring and come in. Everybody's invited to play in this chorus. And this have no fear refrain is actually accurate to the gospel. In Isaiah 42, the prophecy that announces the movement into the calling of the suffering servant who is going to be proclaimed as Jesus in the New Testament, we hear that God says through his prophet, and the Lord God says, do not fear, for I am the Lord your God. And that refrain of do not fear becomes one of the ways that we're supposed to deal with pain in this life. People live their lives caught between two choices, they think, about what to do with the confusion of our life. One, which is what consumerism and much of what our life is filled with, is pain and fear and suffering and anxiety. And people bend and cover all that with fear itself. And we try to get away from that. And and consumerism becomes a novocaine against what we're scared about. We buy so we know we're alive. We, We create products around us to shield us from the pain in our lives and the disappointments. We fill ourselves with noise and we don't allow ourselves to hear the silent and the still small voice of God. Fear becomes the language that so many people live their lives by. And the choices they make, bad and good, become dealing with fear. The other way is wonder, which we see in the transfiguration. Being so caught up in something so other than myself that I have a reason to live and not think about myself for at least a moment. When Eric was talking about his testimony, it reminded me of the fact that one of the gifts that you have in going and do mission work and giving your life away is you get to spend an entire day, week, away from yourself for a time and living for others. And that's actually a gift. Think about your perfect day. Wouldn't it be the the most perfect day to wake up in the morning, go through your entire day and go to bed and not think about yourself at all? What an amazing day that would be. And one of the ways that that happens is allowing ourselves to be taken outside of ourselves and into the transfiguring power of what Christ is doing. And what you have here is an invitation not to just give away your pain, but give away your entire life to who Christ is. And wonder allows that space. You can choose fear, being always scared of people finding out your secrets, your dirty little secrets. You can be afraid and anxious about whether people want to be around you. If you're in the right crowd, you have the right job, you have the right income bracket. 
You can study yourself into oblivion thinking that all the answers are going to be in the right degree, the right major, the right grad school program. You can surround yourself with product placement and think that that's what is going to keep the fear away. And you can try to bury it and stamp on it like that talent of pain that it is. And it will find roots and it will grow into something other than what you need it to be. Or you can allow wonder to take hold of you and take you outside of yourself. Not just your pain and suffering, but take you somewhere else. Have no fear is the word that cascades through scripture. Do not be afraid is the word that Mary hears from the announcing angel telling her that the Messiah is about to be born. Do not be afraid is the word that Jesus offers to the disciples when he is about to leave and ascend into heaven. Do not be afraid is the word for you today. You have nothing to fear this day. So, like the people in Lost, are we a lock or are we a jack tonight? Are we trying to make sense of our lives in our context, in our reason? Is that what keeps us from trusting and really allowing ourselves to be embraced by what God has in store for us? One of the great things about Sufjan Stevens' music is it teaches us that quiet is the new loud. That quiet is the new loud. Sometimes we need the music to step back and turn down just a notch so we can actually hear the words again. Be lost in the clouds. And a voice is saying, have no fear. We draw near. And so tonight, as we prepare to take communion, you're invited to draw near. What has held you back this week, this month, this quarter, from really allowing God to be part of your lives? What things do you want to lay down tonight? Tonight. Let's try it tonight. Just try it tonight. Leave behind the things that are keeping you from the life that God may have in store for you. What is that tonight? Is it sin? Is it brokenness? Is it disappointment? Is it anger? What is it? What is dragging you down and covered up with fear and not allowing you to live as God may have in store for you? And are you ready to open your eyes in wonder, the transfiguring power of what God has in store? And this week is a journey that you can take in that. As we move forward to Easter, as Ryan told us, it gets darker before it gets day. And sometimes we need to realize that our darkness isn't the only darkness in the world at all, that God has something else in store for us as well. So as we come before this table, and as we prepare our hearts tonight, like us to spend a moment practicing quiet as the new loud. Just to quiet your hearts, quiet your minds, to sit in silence for a moment. I'd like to offer a prayer for you as we prepare to take this table. This is an open table, as I'll tell you. This is not a Presbyterian table. This is not a Methodist table. This is a table you are invited to. If you've doubted, doubt is welcome at this table. Doubt is part of faith if you're bringing it to the right source. If you're on that journey, you're welcome here at this place. Let's quiet our hearts now in silence, prepare our hearts, and let's come together around the Lord's table in wonder. Gracious and loving God, I ask that you would just quiet our hearts right now. 
and Holy Spirit move in us, quieting those places of us. And Holy Spirit, in your convicting power, in the name of Jesus, I pray you unlock that which binds the men and women who are sitting here tonight. Lord, in this moment of silence, hear us now as we confess our lives before you and take a risk to what it means to follow you. Hear us now, O Lord, in this moment of silence. Gracious God, hear the prayers of our hearts that we've offered to you. And Lord, give us the strength and the courage to follow you anew. Lord, give us the assurance to know what we've laid down is down. That you forgive us and desire to be in relationship with us. That you are a God of power and goodness who knows the pain of this life. Who makes sense of it through your cross that we participate in through our lives. Lord, we ask you, lead us through this in your name. Amen. The 4th century uh, church father, Gregory of Nazianzus, great name, Gregory of Nazianzus, said that Christians do not celebrate their sickness, they celebrate their cure. Christians do not celebrate their sickness, they celebrate their cure. And here we have modeled before us the cure. When Jesus drew his disciples together, on a day that we celebrate this Thursday, actually, called Monday Thursday, the celebration of the Lord's Supper, Jesus took the bread, the common loaf of the day, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he said before them, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup, the common cup of the day, and he said, this is my blood shed for you, the new covenant shed for the remission of your sin. And every time that you take of this cup and of this bread, do so in my name until I come again. This meal models the Christian life. We also are taken out of the world from all the places of brokenness and shame that we may have been a part of. And we've been claimed by God. And as these common elements have been taken, they've also been blessed as you have been blessed. You have been marked by the hope of God and set apart from being worthless, without hope, ugly, disappointment. Those are not your names. You are the sons and daughters of the king. That is who you are. And you have been blessed with that. And in the same manner, this has been broken. In order for us to take it, it must be broken apart. In order for us, our lives to make sense, we too must be broken. So we can be remade, transfigured, and made anew. In order for this to be done, it also needs to be given away. And for the Christian life to make sense, it's not to be hoarded, it's to be given away. Taken, blessed, broken, and given away. This is the body of Christ for you. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we set apart these elements of bread and the cup from their common uses. Make them yours this night, that they may model and be known for your people in this time. Lord, we ask this in your name, in the empowering of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We ask this in your powerful and transforming word. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Tonight we'll be celebrating communion by intention. There'll be stations with the bread and the cup.
around. You can tear a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup, look the servers in the eye and say, thanks be to God. So come forward. All are invited. If you've said yes and want to be on this journey with Jesus, this is for you. This is for you. Come. Come and be part of the table.